Please stand and join me for the call to worship. We gather to celebrate God's presence. And God's love expressed through Jesus Christ. We come remembering Christ's life and ministry. We gather as a pilgrim people searching for ways to live out our faith. We come seeking the strength to carry on our journey. Let us rejoice in God's gift to us. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church this morning. It's uh, a gray day and sort of cool outside, a little cool inside, but uh, for those of you who want to uh, be closer to that heat source, you can come down front and be closer right here across the front and you would be able to receive that. Uh, I did receive one request from two of the ladies on the back row, I won't say which two, but they asked Dr. Roxborough if he might uh, preach a little hellfire and brimstone today because they're a little bit cool. So, uh, nevertheless, we're delighted to be here and to share together. He'll have to go get a different term, uh, sermon, uh, Faye and Joyce. 
<laughs> well, it's good to be here, to share together, to uh, enjoy the, the presence of one another, but most importantly, to be here present before God and to know that the presence of Christ is here with us today as he is with us always in every place. Southside Baptist Church is a church here in the heart of the city seeking to build an inclusive community of Christ, first in this community and then beyond, and we do so by welcoming all in and sharing together to uh, call forth those who have gifts and whatever those gifts might be to employ those in the, in the furtherance of God's work and ministry here in this community. We would like to um, welcome all who are here that may be guests and those uh, that have been away a while and we have a, a little booklet at the end of each pew. You can sign there and let us know if, uh, if there's anything that needs to be changed in your, uh, as far as your address or phone number. And we, today, instead of uh, doing our usual passing of the peace of Christ, we're going to still have you speak to one another. And if you want to do a fist bump or elbow bump, you may do that. But to take time to welcome one another uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So do that now, if you would, please. And may I add our welcome, my welcome to uh, Dr. Kelly's and all. Um, we have had a couple that have taken us up on this idea of coming closer to the front where the heaters are. Uh, so, uh, you know, if anyone decides that those back pews are just too chilly, uh, anytime you want to come down, it's just fine. Uh, it'd be great. I, I'm also aware of their sound. I'm not used to, uh, you know, kind of having that, that airplane hanger. Uh, <laughs> underpinning for our, our music of the worship, but nonetheless. Um, this past weekend, I was, our next hymn is, uh, after our prayer is uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And uh, for, for whatever reason, I uh, uh, was reminded uh, in doing this hymn and thinking through it this morning also, um, uh, many of you have watched The Crown, I'm sure, on Netflix uh, about the early years of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, the episode that I was watching just a day or so ago uh, was the episode where she is listening on television to the great uh, Billy of the early 1950s. And then, of course, she has a meeting with uh, Billy Graham. And um, it was an interesting uh, moment of, uh, of time. But I kept thinking about those crusade choirs. I think that Great is Thy Faithfulness, uh, one of the first times I really heard it, big time, if I may, uh, was at the Billy Graham Crusade uh, in Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, about 1965-ish. Uh, so uh, just think of it 
Think of it in those terms as we sing it in a few moments, and we'll do so. Maybe we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great faithfulness. We know that you are with us at all times in all that we do. We know that even when we do not hear or experience the directness of our desires that we have prayed to you, that we know, thank you for this day, a day that we can come together and worship to pray, to, to read, to hear, to sing, to experience your presence in this place as we continue this hour. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. May we stand.
our first reading is from the Hebrew Bible, the prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 31, and reading from verse 31. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke though I was their husband, says the Lord, the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Our second reading, the gospel reading today is found actually in Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. It's a change from what you have printed. Luke 22, 14 through 20. It is about a new covenant. It is Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. If you would, in honor of the reading of the gospel lesson, please stand if you're able. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord.
be seated. Jack, I was uh, concerned the way you were jumping around. I might step off the step and step on you <laughs> because you were back and forth. So we're going to sit right here, okay, Martine, and listen for just a minute. I want to talk to you about something that Dr. Roxburgh just read about and I read about and I bet you've talked about at home with your parents and I know you've talked about it with your granddad, whoever he is. Where is he? There he is. <laughs> He's here. And that's about promising to do something and if you promise it, doing it. There's a, there's, do you know what a, the word covenant means? You probably don't. It is, does mean promise, doesn't it? Here and you sit and behave up here. I am going to give you some kind of little surprise at the end. Would that be a covenant? I promise I'm going to do that. Okay? That would be sort of a covenant. But what's, what has to happen? I have to do it, but what first? You have to do it. Okay. So a covenant is based on two people doing something, right? Right? Martine? Is that right? I have one for you and another one. That's right. That's right. Today we read about the covenant that God made with all of his creation and about a new covenant that he made with them. And it's a promise. One is this, he's going to always be with us. But another is he's going to watch over and care for us. You see? So what we want to remember today about this message that we hear in the scripture is that a promise is important, but a promise that comes from God, we don't have to worry about somebody breaking it. It's going to happen. Somebody ever, anyone ever broken a promise? Anyone ever broken a promise they made to you? They told you they were going to do something they didn't? Maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe it was a promise that wasn't meant to be as big a promise as you thought it was, but in your mind, it was a big promise to them. It was just something they were going to try to do. Or if I were to tell my children, they would say that they took maybe, maybe we'll, or we'll see as a promise. But we'll see wasn't always a promise. A promise is something that we say we're going to do and we're going to, we're going to keep it. There's a promise or a covenant. Matt, Matt, look, hey. Jack, look, Jack, this way, you're, you're not doing it, okay? A covenant or a promise is something we promise we're going to do, and we're going to, our word, it means it. God says to us, we can count on him to do what he says, and a part of that is he's with us, watching over it, and caring for us, and that he will be with us, and he knows Jack by name, and he knows Martine by name, and he even has, we want to give Thanks for that. I know that God has promised that and will keep his promise and he's always trusted you, Jack, and with you, Martine. It's a promise he's made. We can trust in that, okay? Let's pray and give thanks. Lord, we do thank you for the promises you make, that you, we can trust in them and know that you will fulfill them. You're with us always. You never leave us nor forsake us. We give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Shall we pray? God of grace, we've come together to worship, to declare your greatness, your goodness, to feel the wonder of your presence, to the help of your spirit through us. 
to resolve afresh to live as your people with the help of your spirit. We're thankful for these promises that we've read this morning of your covenant love, that we shall all know you from the least to the greatest, that you shall write your law upon our hearts by your spirit, that you will forgive our sins and you promise to remember them no more. We marvel today that we are your adopted daughters and sons, secure in your family of faith. Eternal Father, we desire your name to be hallowed in our lives, our community of faith, and in our country. We pray that your kingdom may come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for those who serve the life of our communities in ordinary ways, that they rediscover your purpose in the ordinary things of life, that each thing that we do can make a difference. We especially for our neighbors, our friends, our families. We especially remember those who hunger, those who are ill, those who are recovering from surgery. We pray that you would help all in whatever physical or emotional situation they find themselves to not only cope, but to know something of your peace that passeth all understanding. We seek to live our lives in faith, in love, and in hope. Faith in your promises, love towards our neighbor, and hope that one day we may see more and more of your kingdom coming in our lives and in our world. And therefore we pray as Jesus taught us to pray and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
you may have noticed on the front of the church bulletin this morning is a painting by Rembrandt. It's a haunting painting. It encapsulates the feelings of the prophet in the midst of the destruction of Jerusalem. He's lamenting, as he often did, that the people of God had forgotten God, they had gone their own way, and the judgment of the Babylonian exile had come into their experience. It's an image of abandoned hope, one that reflects the noun created out of Jeremiah's name, a Jeremiah, which is a long morpho complaint or lamentation. In the 18th century, both in North America and also in, in Britain, uh, preachers would preach a Jeremiah. They would deliberately preach in such a way that the people would be humbled before God, conscious of their sin. Jeremiah is that prophet that we think about when we think about something, somebody who's weeping, the weeping prophet. We say about somebody, oh, you're a real Jeremiah, you know. You know, you're not bringing much of a message of God's love into our lives. Jeremiah is not, by and large, either a happy book or a happy chappy. But these words, which are spoken in exile, set the background for what comes in chapter 31 because there's a new note that is sounded in the verses that I read. This is set within a section of the book that scholars call the book of consolation. It's a message of hope. It's a, like a little island set in an ocean, an island surrounding or within the note of judgment and retribution. For their f and, and these verses often take people by surprise as you're reading through the book, for they're filled with comfort, and optimism. Four verses. The days are surely coming, says the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. And perhaps most striking of all, right at the end. And, and I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah is looking forward to recapturing a message of hope. The days are surely coming. He's certain about it. He's not just saying, well, I, I hope this might be the case. The days are surely coming because they're set in God's promises for his people. A new covenant bringing a renewed heart, a renewed knowledge of God, and the forgiveness of sins. One of the saddest parts of the Old Testament is when the prophets spoke about the judgment of God. You get it, it are not my people. But then in Isaiah, Isaiah says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. And you get the same note here in Jeremiah. They shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Dr. Banks was speaking about the crown always amuses me that there seems to be, the, the, the monarchy seems to be more popular over in America than it is in Britain. I mean, we fought a war over the monarchy, you know. Maybe we should welcome all people like Dr. Banks back into the fold, you know. The, the problem with monarchy, or the problem with even presidential way of thinking, you don't really know the people who's at the top. You don't really know if you're working in a company, the CEO. And here is God saying, they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Not just prophets, not just priests, but everybody will know me. A new covenant, a covenant.
covenant in which I will write not my law upon tablets of stone, because Jeremiah says the people of God broke them literally and they broke them metaphorically. The time is coming when my law will be written upon people's hearts and they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And it will be based upon the fact that God has taken our past and has forgiven it and has forgotten all about it. It's perhaps one of the most remarkable promises in the whole of the Bible. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. We find it very difficult to forgive people, but we find it almost impossible to forget. The memory is still there and it can be, it can be resurrected very easily when we see again the people who hurt us in the past, even if we haven't seen them for years. We remember. God says, I will forgive and I will remember the iniquity. My academic mentor at Aberdeen University went on sometimes ad nauseum, but in a way that has helped me down through the years in learning the distinction between a covenant and a contract. A contract is something where both parties do something. They enter into an agreement with each other and both parties have got to fulfill the parts of the agreement that they've agreed to in order for the contract to remain secure. But a covenant is different. A covenant that God makes is based upon promise. And it's a covenant that God says, I fulfilled all the conditions. I've done everything. You have but to receive it and to experience it and enjoy it. I will forgive their iniquities no more. The covenant of God begins even before he says that. The covenant of God is a covenant that is based on the everlasting love of God. We are reminded of the people. For those of us who this morning will take communion, we are reminded of the second time that this passage is quoted in the scriptures. It's quoted in Luke, it's quoted in Hebrews. This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many. As persons who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we we see that in him, forgiveness is to be found. A new relationship with God is to be found. In him, we are made new people. Our sins are forgiven. Our humanity has been restored, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee, his joy should sing. We can't make too much of the grace of God. I love that anthem that the choir just sung to us. Unceasing love unceasing love, surpassing all we know, endless your grace, oh endless your grace, beyond all mortal dream. Captures something of what Jeremiah is saying to us here in this passage. God is going to forgive us of the past, but he's going to make it possible for us to live a different kind of life in the future. He's going to write his law on our hearts. What what will the outcome of forgiveness be? That we live any way we want to? No. We'll delight in doing God's will because God's will will be written on our hearts. God will affect our heart. He will write his instruction, his law, on our heart by his spirit. Jesus put it this way, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's based upon covenant. It's based upon God's action upon us. 
and our response is one of grace and gratitude. Jeremiah anticipates a completely new dynamic in the relationship between God and his people. It's almost as if God's will and teaching will become their electromagnetic signature, radiating from within, setting the rhythm for all that they do. Now, he's using the term heart metaphorically, but even we know that the heart is at the very, is the very heart of our living, isn't it? If our heart's not healthy, then we have difficulties. We know that each heart, with each heartbeat, blood courses through our bodies, delivering to each cell and organ the nutrients and oxygen they need to thrive. The heart's beating is the pulse of life within us. Now, in the Old Testament, the use of the term heart was used in a variety of ways. Sometimes it referred to a person's will. Other occasions, it, it, it talked about their reasoning, their discernment. Actually, Jeremiah uses the term heart 65 times more than any other of the prophets. It's a very important term to him. One occasion, when he's talking about the sinfulness of Israel, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But here, he sees something different. The heart has been renewed, the inner lives. We talk about loving God with all our hearts. When God writes his will upon our lives, he writes it on our hearts so that our wills are moved towards his direction, so that our desires are changed. We have new longings for God and to live according to his ways. Now, if you're like me and you're reading this passage and you're listening to what I'm saying, you perhaps say, that's just a little bit too good to be true. And time and time again, we failed, and that's why we think that way. I have failed. Not even sure that I've ever yet lived an entire day completely guided by the law of God written in my heart. Perhaps we need to see this as happening in small steps. When we as the people of God, overwhelmed by a sense of God's love towards us, receive the gift of God's grace by his spirit, and once again within our lives, we seek to work out day by day. We begin to begin to begin. As I said a couple of weeks ago, like George Whitfield, to know the Lord. Begin to begin again to be Christians. To know the Lord. To love his ways. To walk according to his will. Then in small but significant ways, we begin to see a change not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others around us and the communities in which we live and we work. We can't live this life in our own strength. We need covenant. We need covenant love which will embrace us. We need covenant love which will sustain us. We need to know that each day we live the life of faith, it's not in our own strength. It's because God has said, you are my people. You know me, I know you, from the least of you to the greatest. I've forgiven your sins. I've forgiven the past. D don't bring up the past in your own life. If I've forgotten about it, why have you not left it in the past? Forgive the way. And if we need to be reminded of it, then we come like this on a first Sunday of the month to take the bread and to take the wine. And we remember the words of Jesus. This is my body given for you. This this, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. 
And that's why these are precious moments. They're precious moments because they remind me that I come to this table not because I'm worthy, but because I've been invited. I come to this table to be assured of the love of God. I come, the book of Hebrews says, I come with full assurance of faith because of his covenant love towards me. I don't come hesitantly. I don't come with fear. I don't come with questioning, either of myself or of God. His promise is, I will forgive your sin, and I will remember. Will you pray with me? God of grace, help us to know that. Not just as a theological theme, but help us to know it in the very depth of our being. And help us to come to be reminded of your love that never, never fails. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So I've said if you're a visitor, this is an open table. We invite all who love the Lord to come and share in communion. Uh, we serve the communion with the waver and the cup, receive the waver, dip it in the cup, and then return to your seat. The people will come down the two aisles, and Dr. Kelly and myself will be at each one. And after the choir has been served, we invite you to come and share communion.
our hymn of response of promise number 466, Jesus at your holy table. pray with me? Everlasting God, you are kind and trustworthy. Every day you graciously provide what we need. We are grateful that you bring healing and hope to us. Please accept these monetary gifts and offerings to strengthen our trust our Savior in this community and beyond. And the precious
Loving Lord, receive these tithes and offerings. We ask, O Lord, that you would bless them, that you will multiply them, and that they'll be used for your kingdom's work here in this community and beyond. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. See, we're glad that you're back. Uh, also, I want to make just a couple of announcements about this week. One is on uh, Wednesday evening. We have an outstanding series that's ongoing. We had a, a wonderful presentation last Wednesday. Uh, this week, um, that was by um, Carolyn Vaughn Frost. But this week, Dr. Roxborough will be presenting again, uh, as he has uh, on numerous occasions in, in this series, too, on uh, Christian biography. And this is uh, going to be focused on, as he says, it's a little bit enigmatic in the sense that it is uh, writing, trying to understand the a biography of Jesus through the Gospels. And so you'll want to come and be a part of that. And, and uh, just very interesting, and the discussion was very um, enlightening, too, last week as we had that meeting, and it will be this week as well. On, Wednesday, on Thursday, the usual activities. But then on Thursday, on next Sunday, next Sunday, Cheryl, we have Jazz Vespers, and it is being uh, labeled sort of a Mardi Gras kind of festival because Fat uh, Tuesday is not going to work for everybody here. And at Jazz Vespers, next we'll have our Ash Wednesday service. So we're going to do a sort of Mar Mardi Gras themed Jazz Vespers next Sunday night at 6 p.m. in Drennan Hall. And we haven't asked everyone this, but if you'd like to bring a, um, a dessert worthy of a Mardi Gras celebration, then you do so. And, uh, we'll, and I'm sure there'll be some that will do that. It'll be down in Drennan Hall at 6. It'll be a, a good time together. I do want to make you aware of next Sunday is the Mercedes Marathon. Many of you know that, and there's no reason to say you can't get here next week and that you won't be here on time because you can get into the loop and therefore be here at church without too much trouble. But you need to plan for that. So uh, please do that as you uh, make plans for next week as well. As we prepare to go out and to celebrate the life we have in Christ because of this new covenant, Dr. Roxburgh is going to come in for our benediction. Yeah, may God guide your steps and your GPS to get here next Sunday. <laughs> may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.